Welcome to Half a Cinch. This is a music podcast where we talk about the albums of 1972, and they're celebrating their 50th anniversary. I'm Mike Jeffers, and my co-host is... JR. There's four J's, four J's and an R. McIntyre. And back with us is our good friend Gabe Coleman, photographer, musician and fan of music uh this week we're going to talk about the third and final album by nick drake pink moon um it's a bit of a it's a bit of a sad one but it's got a it's got a it's got a beauty to the sadness um yeah like i said this third album came out on island records he did this one in london his studio called sound techniques uh, it is the only album of his to be released in North America. And unlike his previous albums, he said, fuck a band. I don't need one. I'm going to do it alone. Uh, it didn't sell well, but it became kind of a cult classic, though, like a lot of his music. Uh, he, you know, he was very isolated. He suffered from depression. Uh, he was Ironically enough, he was very reluctant to take antidepressants, which is, you know, what eventually killed him. Um, But, you know, someone who was very close to him once said that he was never depressed when he was writing and recording. That was only when he wasn't being an artist, you know, when he had to deal with real life. Um, But after staying at a villa in Spain for a little while, he decided to come back, do this album the way that he wanted to do it. And he did it all in two nights, uh, each, each night starting at 11 PM. So this was like the, you know, he's doing the night shift, which I feel like kind of comes through on the album, right? Like writing and, and recording all these, these songs in like the wee hours of the morning. Well, the name of the album is Pink Moon. It's not the Red Sun, it's no. not, not the Blue Cloud <laughs> album. He's definitely, he has a theme. Uh, very true, very true. Uh, the the artwork, I wanted to comment on that because it's very cool. It's got this like surrealism. The, the label actually ended up choosing that. Uh, but I guess people later said that he was, he was okay with it, even though he didn't have a, a say in what was going to go on the front cover at all. Um, but yeah, it all worked out. Um, I, I didn't really know this album that well. I knew, you know, a few songs off of it because, because of its, you know, its new newly gained popularity through commercials or, um, you know, like I said, just becoming kind of like being revived as like cult classic stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I really dig it. I like it. Um, what about you guys? What do you know about this album? Well, um, first of all, thanks for having me back. Uh, it's such a treat to be talking with real human beings, uh, semi face to face and not little kids. Um, and, or my wife who I love, but I'm thrilled she's in the other room and I've got your all's attention. This is, this is great. Um, so, you know, it's, I, I didn't know anything about the car commercial that brought it back but i first experienced nick cave through um the garden state soundtrack he's got 
Nick Drake. I'm sorry. You know what? I keep calling him Nick Cave. If that oh, no. gives you any. Did, yeah. did, did you listen to the wrong album? <laughs> no, I know it's Pink Moon. I got that. But Nick Drake, uh, apologies. Um, and I first, um, uh, yeah, I encountered his his music through the Garden State soundtrack. I was working a, a job in a, a home. We were painting a mural in, in this lovely home. And the person that was leading the project was in charge of the music. And they played that that garden state soundtrack every day for four months so um and i kind of was humming this tune and and uh the girl i was seeing at the time was like oh it's nick drake have you heard this album pink moon and i was like no and she played it for me and it was in the moment it was it was powerful and she and i were you know it was it was uh we were in an uh I would say an artsy relationship. And so I was sitting you, down. Did you paint each other? We didn't paint each other, but we did paintings of each other and we drew a lot uh, of each other. And I, you know, I was an art student in college and this was a, this was a couple of years after college. And, um, but what I did was I, I, I listened to the album and I drew this picture of, of these cowboys sitting around a fire. And I said, you know, this whole thing is just like sitting around waiting for death. I feel like this is the album you would listen to if you were in limbo and you were waiting for the next step. I mean, it's, it's engaging, but it's somber and it's, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily uplifting, but it's not necessarily, you know, detracting, but, you know, if you were just sitting around for the end, um, I feel like this is the album that would be on in the background. And she goes, well, you know, he's dead uh, and he killed himself, you know, or he died you know, of a drug overdose. And I felt bad, of course, in the moment, but um, that was my, that was my first introduction to this album. And I didn't, I didn't really know any of his other albums until taking this project on with you all. But um, but yeah, that's how I came to know about him. There was, there was some debate on his death, you know, whether it it was, it was a overdose on antidepressants. Um, You know, some say like he just he didn't know how much to take because he you know he just didn't really like it and so he was and at that time you know no one no one is, is no one really knew what the fuck they were doing like how how much like a doctor should be prescribing and but at the same time um yeah he did suffer from depression and he was isolated a lot and 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 uh he didn't trust anybody and so who knows? They, there was they no... still make that mistake fifty years later. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, you could, you could, like, there's parallels to like Chris Cornell's death. You know, mm. people debate on whether that was an accident. Also mysterious, history. you know. Okay. Yeah, um, but yeah, I what I really liked about this album. I mean, oh, first of all, let's have let's talk about better singer or better guitar player, because I feel like he's 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 really good at both and uh, and kind of flawed at both. I don't know. I some sometimes I think that you know on certain songs his guitar playing is better than his. I'd say more, more. I'd say his guitar player is definitely his. As a guitar player, he's influenced a ton of musicians. Um, I don't know. That's a tough one because I kind of put them together as one thing with this record, yeah. especially because other than Pink Moon, it's a little piano. It's just him and that guitar the whole time. So I honestly don't want either one to be gone or to have to pick <laughs> either one because it's all so perfect together as one sound, you know? 
I will say I really I I lean on him more as a guitar player. I was amazed at, um, you know, I listened to the album, you know, again, and it actually been years since I I had listened to it, and I was like, oh, how many people are playing on this? I mean, I thought uh, that there were, you know, especially in the first track, uh, Pink Moon. I th- I thought it was, you know, at least two people playing together at the same time, and I'm always you know, enamored when I can see a guitar player who's got such amazing figuring and picking skills that, you know, they're basically producing two lines of, of melody at the same time. Um, and so, you know, he could, yeah. he could not say a word on this album and I would still listen to it from start to finish. I'm a, that's, I'm a big, that tuning. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. No, I, I was going to say, I, I'm a big fan of singers who aren't necessarily good at singing but the voice is so distinct. Like it's, it's, I, I don't know, like the, the sound, the sound that his voice makes, whether it's, whether he's, you know, hitting all these like right notes or not, but it's just, I don't know, the, the way that it like has a texture to it. Yeah. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Tom Waits fan. So that kind of, you know, or, or Steve or, or these guys like the, it's the distinction of the voice that is what gets me. And uh, there, I mean, this, the, like the production and the writing of this album, I feel it, it's like, it's like, it's kind of ahead of its time. It, it sounds, it definitely sounds like an album that could come out today. And it, it could be like, you could put it on and be like, Oh shit. Is that Bell and Sebastian? Like, Oh no, this is from 1972. You know, this is, this is, a different guy like yeah uh the the influence is still there yeah for sure i mean he's huge for that c ad for tuning i mean everyone you hear that as a musician or as a guitar player especially acoustic and you're just like oh, what is that how do i get that in my hands and you know i heard of him through the last well the last episode we did very a lot of similarities between like Dwayne allman and nick and nick drake different tuning guitars there's very little footage of either one of them or interviews of either one of them. There's, I think there's none of Nick. Uh, there may be a few tiny interviews with Dwayne, but they're silly. The rest is live footage. Uh, and they use, they, they have this sound that they played the guitar. It sounds like them. And they, uh, I remember as a kid, you know, I'm going to date myself, but we used to read magazines, kitty and kiddos, you know, and what I would read Rolling Stone articles to find out who I liked and what they liked. And I was a big uh, Black Crows fan. I remember this article. I've referred to it on this podcast before because he mentioned Neil Young and he got me turned on Neil Young. But Rich Robinson from the Black Crows, he talked about Nick Drake. How did you get the idea for the open G tuning and all this? Nick Drake, Pink Moon, go listen to it right now. So as a very easily persuaded, sad bastard teenager, nailed me at like 15, 16 years old. There's a lot to be sad about if you want to be. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is just it's a great record and we'll get into the crazy nerdery behind it. There's some, the dude was just so eccentric. I almost think misdiagnosed autism or something, but uh, yeah, thumbs up for me. Uh, yeah. It, I mean, in the track list uh, right off the top is the, is the title track pink moon. Uh, like you said, the only song that includes another instrument besides guitar, there's a little bit of piano on there that he, you know, he plays himself too. Uh, it's this what I was talking about was there's this car commercial that came out years ago for Volkswagen and it just got 
you know, it got played constantly. And this song was in that car commercial and it actually, it actually sparked a, a, uh, you know, an, an interest in the song. I know a lot of people were like looking it up and trying to figure it out and, and finding out that it was this, you know, song from 1972. I think a lot of, a lot of, you know, like I said, the, it's a testament to its production, the, just the production quality in the, the sound of the song on the record. It's, it was really ahead of its time. It's, I mean, it sounds fantastic. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, that's where, that's where I first heard it. Uh, I mean, it, you know, sometimes it, you know, it sucks that it's a, it's a car commercial that will, <laughs> that will get you to, to, you know, introduce you to something, but you know it introduced you nonetheless and part part of you is like would nick care that zach braff and volkswagen brought me to this guy <laughs> you know I what i or do i even care because i came to nick drake either way I, I actually i tried to find i was i was talking with a friend of mine um who writes jingles and yada 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 and i was trying to get information from him about the commerce of that i was because i i do remember back in the day one of the um, the group that that sang that song, "I'll Stop the World and and Laugh with You" or whatever, they that that jingle was used in a Burger King commercial or something like that, and they were like, "Oh yeah, that that totally brought us back to the charts, put a ton of money in our pockets." And I was like, "How you know how much did his estate benefit from that?" I know that he went from selling maybe you know uh, thousands of copies of that of Pink Moon to becoming a chart topper just because of the snippet of that commercial which i think is amazing yeah um, the the band i i think was modern english that did that uh, i think you're I'll, right yeah I'll, I'll stop the word melt with you yeah melt with you you're right i'll stop the world and melt with you that's that, right that makes more sense with burger king right yeah yeah and i can't i don't I, you know I'm, I'm there's there's some nerdists out there who are losing their mind right now going <laughs> it's fucking melt with you and it was an ice cream commercial and you're uh, ruining america so don't, don't don't worry about those three people <laughs> listening to this. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, Pink Moon. It's uh, lyrically, it's just kind of a silly song. Like it, he just says Pink Moon over and over again. There's a couple other lines in it, but it's just kind of like, it's just a song about uh, him, you know, being outside or looking out the window, and I don't know. So, I have a note here about this, and it's a little bit of a uh, a uh, conspiracy theory. I'll. Okay. I'll are you all familiar with the Mighty Boosh? Yeah, I am. Yes. Okay. So for those of you out there, if you're not familiar of it, but you you know what I mean when I say old Greg, you're mm -hmm. at least you're at least tied into it. But yeah. on that show with with uh Noel Fielding and and uh is it Julian uh, Barrett? Julian Barrett, that's the name I was looking for. There's a character called of the moon, and yeah. it speaks in this very distinct um voice yeah and i i was along with a, a I'll, I'll circle back to this with another song that's on this track there's so i wondered if they were influenced to the point that i was looking for you know googling word combinations of nick cave and and i know that that it, in two um instances noel fielding has expressed that he is a a fan of nick caves and there was a um you know, there was there was somebody that went around England that discovered a, a lost Nick Cave track and played it for the two of them, as well as a number of different people. But I think that there is some direct influence between 
Nick Cave and the Mighty Boosh that I'll circle back to. And I think that how he sings on that particular track uh, directly relates to the character of the moon in the Mighty Boosh. So that's, that's cool. What does it have to do with Nick Drake, though? Oh, Nick Drake. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Good you God. said it like six times. I was oh like, my Is God. Say something? <laughs> please cut that out. Oh, my God. Hey, hey, you know what's funny, though? All the jokes aside, I guarantee Noel loves Nick Cave and Nick Drake. Oh, both yeah. of them, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, my God. Ab- absolutely. I'm going to have to get that shit under control. <laughs> it happened literally the first time that I reached out to you. I was like, oh, yeah, let's do the yeah. Nick Cave album. And you're like, it's Drake. I was like, sure. You're like, where's this 72 Bad Seeds album? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just, know. it's, it doesn't work for me to just start calling him Drake either because yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's screwed. Uh, okay. Um, track two, place to be. Um, he, it's a, it's a theme on this album about aging, about the the, the yeah. dichotomy of being old and young. Um, this, this is one of my favorite songs on the album. Um, three, uh, Road is an interesting song. It's the, the different paths that you take in life. Uh, there's another, like, this lyrics are real simple on this one. The lyrics are real simple, but the, the coupling of them and how they're, how they're rattled off Man. circles back to the mighty boosh oh. uh, if you're familiar with what they do on that show they call, they talk about crimping yeah. which is mm. sort of the yeah the british freestyling i think lyrically you could compare the way he's singing on this album to how they get into some of their crimping highs and lows um and i you know i'd make a case that there's an influence there so I, for sure yeah i i didn't i never even like i you know i wouldn't have made that connection but it was i, I was sitting here going what what why do i feel like i've heard this before and yeah mighty boosh was there uh nick, nick drake's influence <laughs> on the mighty boosh yeah uh track four uh which will this was um this was a uh a cover oh not a what was i say beck beck did a cover of this song um uh, some people might know but yeah this song's all about the questions like every every lyric is a question um and it's just kind of it's another one of those things about uh making making choices a lot of a lot of songs about like it's very heavy on the on the choices they make in life and the fact that like you should you should do them while you're young um <laughs> it, it's interesting you know thinking about that as as the the out you know the outcome of of nick drake's life well i think that was a theme in the folk scene too i mean cat was writing stuff about that you know like growing older having kids father and son and they both had that kind of breathy "Ah," like the trailing (laughs) off the extra notes you know which i love no one really could do it other than those two that i can think of um it's funny you mentioned that he meant he recorded this in the middle of the night because Mm -hmm. you know like I personally recorded stuff or like liked how my voice has sounded when I first wake up or when it's late or when you haven't slept. And it probably totally lends itself to that whole, the voice that he gets while recording those songs. It sounds like someone who's been up all night and is recording a song that like in the moonlight, like, you know, you're weak, your voice has been used all day, but you know, I don't know. That's, that's a neat thing, you know, that I never knew about that. So very cool. Um, the next track, uh, Horn, just very minimalistic instrumental interlude. Um, 
just you know like it's less than two minutes i feel like he just he threw this on there as as sort of a lead-in to the next song which ends up being the longest song on the album uh things behind the sun uh, another one of my favorites actually because it's like i i love the darker melody to this one and this one's like all about like you know the warning signs staying you know staying aware it's like a cautionary tale sort of song you know all about like uh oh, what's what's the one line in it uh you know uh please be aware of them that stare they'll only smile to see you while your time away so you know like just i don't know it, it, it's good it's it's a good like it's a good message i think they always say like people like it was right there all along that they were like sad or something you know mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if I always subscribe to that or ever subscribe to that, but, you know, it's very interesting, this, like, road horn, like, like, a lot of them sound, this one isn't one of them, this one sounds like one he had fleshed out and was going to be ready, even if he was going to be the only person recording it, but it did kind of feel like he just went in on these two days and put these songs down, whether they were finished or not. I mean, Horn doesn't seem like the name of that song, you know, and some of those songs with the one word titles have so much complexity to them, almost because they're so open ended. That's just kind of what I was, you know, going through when I was listening to this. It really, you can go down that nerdy rabbit hole forever, like, oh, they knew all along and probably most of the time they didn't, you know, and who knows what happened with his with his medication, purposeful or not. But uh, yeah, there's some interesting coincidences with him and almost every song deals with it or could be turned to that direction if you'd like it to. Yeah. You um, mentioned turn to that direction. I mean, I, I, I mentioned at the top of this that I came away with this feel. This, this is one of the, the ones that really pushed mortality in my mind and, and it created that notion of, of uh kind of a waiting room for death like if you were going to be sitting with four other people what would you talk about what would your topics be and you know maybe being the the longest song and having the lyric heavy is is what what promotes that but uh, you know my mind just goes to that place for sure uh and the next one is another very simple one the next song is called no and it's only four lines and it's like it's a call and response in a way it's like he even though he sings all four lines like you you envision like one person singing lines one and three and the next person singing lines three and four. And the lines are, you know, that I love you. You know, I don't care. You know, that I see you, you know, I'm not there. And uh, it's just, um, yeah, it's one of those things. It's just sort of like the, it's the love, the love and hate sort of uh, two sides of the coin there in a way. Right. Like the one person, one one person is happy and the other person uh, is not. Um, the the next song, uh, "Parasite," uh, is another like ominous one. And this one, this one is more of a storytelling song about sort of like the dregs of society. You know the like what's you know the the, the people of the gutter and the people who are who are forgotten and you know the him like referring to him as parasite is almost sort of like the you know it's like tongue-in-cheek because that's that's like what society sees them as and so they just 
they go ahead and they they're like yeah i guess if i am a parasite you know you call me a parasite i guess that's what i am and that's how i'm gonna live so you know the the lyric on this that always that stands out to me every time i hear it is i am the parasite who travels two by two um yeah and i love that in my mind i'm not gonna lie i always hear uh, I always immediately think of how the sand people try, they travel single file to hide their numbers. But what, what is that a reference to? Do you think? I mean, I, I haven't, I didn't do a deep dive on that, but I'm curious to know what your impression on it, because it just, you know, maybe it's because it's the title of the, the song, but it just always stands out to me. Um, I, I think of like uh, multiplying in a way. Cause I mean, that's, that's what parasites do. They multiply. So I just always thought like, if you have one, you're going to have another immediately. Um, the other thing I thought of was maybe like uh, military in a way, you know, but they're, they're always, you know, they're marching like more than that. They're marching, you know, was that four, four or five in a line. Mm. But I, I just, I immediately thought of like, just, just multiplying just there, it's never, it's, you know, you're never just going to have one. I don't know. That's, but it's, it's a good song. It's probably, it's some of the best lyrics, I think, on the album. It's this song. Uh, next one, Free Ride. Uh, this, <laughs> this song actually kind of makes me laugh because of the, uh, it, in a way, it's, Weird co- what's that? You froze up right when you were saying that. Yeah. <laughs> Say it again. Weird cover. Weird cover. Is it a cover? No, I'm just making no. a free ride joke. Oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Got no, 16 it, devices going oh, at once in my house. Oh man, it would have landed. It would have landed so good had you not froze up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the 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 song is kind of like how I interpret it is about like wealth, you know, and uh, they're like, there's like these four, these four images in particular in, in the, uh, in the song that are sort of like uh, images of wealth. They're like representations of wealth in a way. Uh, The first one is like all the pictures that you keep on the wall. You know, I just kind of think like someone, someone's got a lot of fancy paintings, you know, on, on their wall. It's, that's this is how they you know they represent that they're you know they're cultured thing and uh the next line is all the people that come to the ball obviously you know like rich people go to a ball and then one lies counting the cattle as they go by the door obviously you know you got you got a lot of cattle it means you know you got money that's you got a business there or keeping the carpet that's thick on the floor and you know, you oh, you got a nice, you got a nice, comfy, shaggy carpet instead of a concrete floor. And in between all of those, then there's this guy saying, you know, give me a free ride. You know, you hear me calling, but you know, once you give me a free ride, it's just sort of like, you know, it's like, hey, all, all these people, they got, they got all these things, they got all these fancy things. Uh, what do I got? You know, at least at least just give give me a lift into town that's that's the least you can give me right <laughs> i um I, you know i i heard a lot of um I, I feel like this is the type of thing where you could say oh dave matthews drew a lot of 
of uh, example from this. I mean, as far as the complexity of the guitar playing and and you know, movement across the fretboard and and you know the storytelling of this, I I heard you know people were likening Van Morrison to this, and I was following further down you know the years, and I I this song made me think of a lot of Dave Matthews efforts. Huh, interesting. Um, the next one, uh, Harvest Breed. There's a lot of analogies to like pollination in this one. And I feel like it's the, the analogy is that like pollen either, it either finds its source and, and continues on, you know, in life or it falls to the ground and dies kind of like maybe you'll find someone to love in life or maybe you'll die alone <laughs> the, the two pads again another the, you know the theme that comes up a lot yeah i was going to say in the last few songs you kind of feel that i mean these are a lot of tenets of depression like being upset with society disparagement of like wealth and people um you know uh, being upset with everyone having families and structure and I don't you know um, whether that's my own fault or not yeah I felt that theme through a few of them that's pretty it's it's good sad bastard music it nails that right on the head I mean do you think the harvest part has anything to do with the pink moon or the blood moon or like I don't know just thinking yeah the, I mean it could be I, I feel like yeah there's a lot of themes to nature too but it's like it's the it's it's the like the microscopic part of nature or yeah, I mean, right. the, the moon isn't microscopic but but uh, i don't know i guess the there's a there's a nighttime theme to it it's it's sort of like a world that we don't see and i guess the nighttime world is a world that we don't see or or the the you know the the pollination of of flowers is it's like all it's all these other yeah all these other worlds that are still still tangible they're still part of our reality but you know most most people most people don't see him and i i did read that he had a lot of trouble sleeping so he was you know he lived in that nighttime world that was that was where he was you know comfortable um but i like that that's a good take mike i like that yeah but the the last song i i think like he he doesn't want to end the album on a on like a a sad note so i feel like the last song is actually a very beautiful song it it has some of the best lyrics and it again it like it i think he he's continuing with that pollination analogy where he's talking about uh there's there's a lyric where he says he he grows from the ground uh let me get it right let me find that quick um this one this one verse in the middle of the song um uh, 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 uh sorry uh oh yeah um uh, and now we rise from the ground we are and we are everywhere and now we rise from the ground and she flies and she is everywhere see she flies all around sort of the you know we rise from the ground we're the you know we're the flowers and then whoever she is, she's flying around, you know, she's like spreading, spreading her pollen everywhere. It's spreading our love, spreading our, our fears, you know, just anything that makes us human. Um, 
just talk, he talks about endless summer nights in this song too and go play the game that you learned from the morning it yeah it's just yeah it it's, it's a, a super uplifting song in comparison to yeah, the he, lead up to it you know yeah exactly he, yeah yeah it's yeah he he you know he ends it's sort of the the bookends of this album where you know just a silly song about the moon and then this like beautiful song about i don't know just about life so, yeah well this a lot of birth comes out of that you know death and those things you don't see you know yeah you could also kind of say that you know i guess that's a really good way to look at it I never thought of it that way but, um, I, i'm curious to know what i mean did are these in the order that he intended uh, mike i know you get into the deep dives on on production that um that stuff that i don't i don't really know but i mean as as someone you know jr and myself we've we've put together albums you know track lists are something that really that really do kind of like weigh on a band or an artist like how you want these songs like represented in what order well and i sure. mean you know we we were joking about zach raff earlier but he won a grammy for the mixtape that he put together for his you know yeah. for his movie and it was all about the the placement and the order in which they they appear um so I'll turn on a whole generation to Nick Drake is pretty awesome. I doubt Volkswagen had that exactly in mind. I mean, yeah. of course, you know, I would like to think someone on the board had that in mind, but I feel like he he was more pushing like, hey, check out Postal Service, check out these bands. You, yeah. you may hear from your older brother or sister, but maybe not. If not, I got you. Uh, so, yeah, personnel, obviously, it's just him. Uh, he did go with a different producer than his first two albums. Uh, this guy, uh, what was his name? John Wood. He was the guy that ran the studio where he recorded all these songs. And he was an engineer on all of his albums. But this time he wanted, he wanted this guy to be his only, like, to be his only producer, his only engineer. It, I guess it was someone, one of the few people that Nick Drake trusted um, and with, with his music and, you know, just with him in general uh yeah like i said it I, even though it's certified gold like it it didn't sell very well like at at the time you know 20 25 30 years later of course you know it sales pick up and it certifies gold uh rolling stone did um did really like it they did you know a couple of retrospectives on it and ended up listing it as like the finally it listed as 201 out of five of the 500 top albums of all time so um but yeah that's it that's that's uh nick drake's uh sad but beautiful final album pink moon and, and compared to the other albums as well um i gave them just a each one of the first two i listened to just in preparation of this totally different you know, super upbeat jazz flute, very, uh, you know, I was getting a very Austin Powers vibe. I mean, it was definitely <laughs> what was on in the background of, of some swing and shag and parties. Mm -hmm. um, and so out of character, I listened to those after I'd listened to Pink Moon again, you know, maybe four or five times and was really struck by, by the contrast there. Um, if you listened to those and knew him and were a fan and then heard Peak Moon, how could no one know, like, he was struggling <laughs> like yeah 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 i i mean the the fact that he he 
wanted to do this third album, even though his first two weren't successful, uh, knowing doing it like this was not going to help that success really. Um, it would just probably further further the the isolation from the label and himself. Well, it feels really secret. Like during yeah. the end of the second one, he leaned over to this guy he worked with, but wasn't the producer and was like, I'm yeah. doing the next one alone. Hey. Yeah. Shh. Don't hey, tell anyone I'm going to do it in two days. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, there, there's a yeah. rumor that he came into the, the office of the label. Uh, like no one saw him and he dropped it off in a plastic bag. Yeah. Like clutching. I, I, I read that. Yeah. It's a very yeah, Well, he went up to the guy's office and had tea with him. Mm-hmm. once they recognized who he was and he had it on him and didn't play it for him the guy had the best stereo system in the tri-county area didn't play it had the tea left when he left he left him with the receptionist and the receptionist immediately called the guy like dude he just left this this these are the master tapes and yeah. they went and immediately ran him like I, I seriously feels like a big secret and he walked out both middle fingers like for whatever mm. reason depressed or he wasn't mad at them he was just kind of like that's it i think i don't know what he was thinking uh, but very yeah. mysterious like i said you can't can't <sighs> of course he's a rock stars musician you know like that is so cool man <laughs> so we talked about this in the you know in the other episode i was on um you know we had the almond brothers who who achieved tremendous amount of success out of tragedy. You know, we have Nick Drake who has, you know, was, didn't live to see his, um, his fame. And, you know, that's something that comes up more in the two-dimensional painting, drawing sculpture realm, you know, these tortured artists who, whose, you know, success is, is appreciated after the fact, Um, you know, would he have, would would they would he have gotten as far as he is now if he was still alive um and honestly this time i think yes i mean i think i think it was unfortunate that he passed but his skill is i mean he's sort of the alan moore of the of the music world you know i mean he's he's he he didn't want to do anything publicly he didn't want to be on stage he didn't want to tour but he has this tremendous capability you know on the guitar and as a writer and and as a lyricist um I think I think had he been able to uh, you know live and 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 get the help that he needed, I think yeah there would have been probably huge gaps in between his work, but I think it would have he he's the kind of guy I think that would try something different every time he put something out, and it, it like it would have evolved maybe it, it might not have all been good but at least it wouldn't be the same thing over and over again. And it's fun to romanticize about him taking like a weight, a weights kind of career trajectory, you know, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, that's what, (laughs) that's exactly what he did, you know, to huge gaps in between albums and they, they are, they are constantly like evolving, but yeah. uh, But anyway, I, I like the album a lot. Um, 28 minutes. It's an easy listen. It's a short, easy spin. It fits in with almost any other thing you're listening to just kind of, Slides right in there. Um, yeah, if it, no one's got any other thoughts, uh, I, Gabe, I, I heard you have another recommendation for us. Uh, so, is, it, is it Garden State? It's, <laughs> it is not Garden State, which was a fine album, but it's had its moment. Um, I, I would rather know, hear the album than watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you'll, you know, if you'll allow me to expound for just a moment, um, oh, yeah. you know, 
being uh, on the, the last podcast and, and participating in this one has really got me in touch with how I use music um, and how far I've sadly gotten away from it. I mean, you know, from kind of, you know, high school through to the end of college, um, moving out of my folks' house, I didn't have TV. So my content was almost entirely music. And if I was moving around the house, if I was working on a project, there was always music on in the background. And, you know, within the past seven or eight years, especially with streaming, um, TV content, that, that seemed to take up. I realized how, you know, if I was moving around the house, I wanted to have a show playing on in the background. And I realized how much time I was wasting trying to flip through all these different options to watch that show. And gearing up for this, I, I've gotten back in touch with music in a way that it's like, why was I ever even messing with something visual? There's so much, so much music out there I haven't even reckoned with. So this podcast you're doing, I think, is fantastic. Lining up and celebrating the 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 50 year olds um, is going to be great, you know, for me to work on independently as well. Um, but I was I was getting uh, my oil changed, and um, song came on the radio called changes part two and i know that because i was fumbling with my phone to sh shazam it it's by a guy named neil francis and his album is huh. called changes i don't know anything about neil neil francis as of this moment beyond that album you can stream it right now and it is groovy it is funky um it's got tremendous arrangement it's not i you know my, my critique is that he doesn't pull himself out there as an amazing singer and I don't know what his instrument playing is, but the album just rocks. I mean, it, it grooves. That's the word I should say. So Neil okay. Francis's Changes, um, I highly recommend. And I think the single off of that is Changes Part 1 and 2. And it's it's awesome. Okay. So, it's going on the list. I recommend. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks. Thanks, Gabe, for coming back, doing it with us again. It's a real treat to, yeah, to be able to talk to, uh, to humans and adults. And, you know, my world's been all Cocoa Melon kids and, and oh, no. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little tricky. So, um, but yeah, this has been a great, great release and a great escape. So thank you so much for allowing me to participate. Cool. Cool. All right, let's do it. Happy 50th. Happy Happy 50th. Yeah, yeah. So cool. Yeah. You guys take it easy. Nick cave. Love you. <laughs> <laughs>